Hello, my friends. Welcome back, or welcome if you're new. This is another episode of Black Magic, a podcast where I pull a tarot card and I talk about it. I'm Sarah Black. I'm an extremely powerful witch. Please tell all of your friends. I took a little time off. You may have noticed it's been probably a month and a half, maybe, since I last recorded a episode. I got very obsessed with a video game called Baldur's Gate. If you are a fellow fan, you know. If you know, you know. <laughs> and I just went full ADHD hyperfixation mode on that for weeks. I'm still in it, but the fervor has died down a little bit. I'm able to do things aside from just play hours and hours of that game lost in a fantasy world of my own making. So yeah, I was really <laughs> kind of struggling to be able to think about anything aside from that game. And it made writing this podcast, the newsletter, really anything at all, <laughs> really challenging. Um, but I'm I'm getting back to it, and I thought I would record one last episode before the end of 2023. Hopefully I can edit and publish this tomorrow for New Year's Eve, because uh, the cards that I have been kind of meditating on for the last month are very topical. They're very relevant to the ending of the year. And I'll get to that in a little bit. I wanted to talk a little bit about New Year's resolutions, the concept of these, of course, because here it is December 30th and tis the season for writing those out. I know a lot of people have this hesitation or this like negative kind of feeling towards this idea of setting resolutions for the new year. I think I went through a little bit of a rebellion <laughs> at that concept. But for the past few years, I have leaned back into not so much making resolutions. And I'm not really totally sure what the difference is, but I set intentions for the upcoming year. <laughs> I think it's, I'm being nitpicky about the language, but for whatever reason, for me, when I set my intentions, it feels different. Like a New Year's resolution to me feels like a, I'm going to lose 50 pounds, where the intention, when you're setting an intention for the new year, rather than having that like really rigid rule for yourself that can make you feel really shitty if you don't meet it, um, your intention is a little bit more fluid and flexible because things happen in life that are unexpected, that you're not accounting for, that you can't predict. And sometimes you're just not able to meet like a really rigid goal for yourself that you've set and it makes you feel disheartened or like a bit of a failure. But if you go into the new year, instead of having this like number in mind, setting an intention of like, I just want to be more active every day, like that is a lot more flexible and can adapt to whatever comes up in your life. And, you know, being active in a day 
can look really different from day to day and from person to person. So I just kind of have this like, I guess it's become a tradition. I've done it for four or five years now where I set intentions for the new year. And it's a really good time for it because obviously the new year is about to start in the Gregorian calendar. But beyond that, beyond the actual calendar switching over to 2024, astrologically, it is a great time to be reflecting on everything that you've done in the last year and deciding what you want to let go of, what you want to carry with you into the new year, and maybe like new things that you want to initiate. And, you know, this is a good time to do this because we just had the winter solstice in North America. If you're in or in the Northern Hemisphere. If you're in the summer, Southern Hemisphere, you just had the summer solstice. And the winter solstice is a really good time for just planting seeds in the darkness of like what you want to grow in this next coming year, what you want to, what you want to harvest when the light of the sun returns and we're mid-year. It's, t- it's a good time to start making those plans now because of the solstice. We also just had a full moon on the 26th. And full moons are always a really good time to think about what you want to transition away from or like what you want to let go of because the light of the moon, once it peaks, begins to wane. And you kind of think of that flow of energy. Things are decreasing. So you want to think about things that you want to let go of. And when it's a new moon, because the light of the moon starts to grow, you think about what you want to grow in your life, what you want to increase in your life. That's a good way to remember how to work with lunar energy. So because we've had this winter solstice, because we just had a full moon, because the new year is about to begin, it's this great time to kind of evaluate your life and Look at all the different aspects that play into what makes up the totality of your life experience. And this kind of ties into the cards that I'm going to talk about today, which is the Ten of Cups. The Ten of Cups is really interesting because it's a minor arcana card. Again, the major arcana cards I've talked about before are kind of those grander themes that we talk about on a that doesn't necessarily have to be on an individual or personal level it's it could be more global um so those cards are like the devil or the lovers or the star or the world the world is a card that i've talked about on a previous podcast episode i've also written about it a couple of times and it's actually the card that i pulled <laughs> initially when preparing to create this this new episode and I kind of have this rule with myself where if I pull a card I really try not to pull a different card if it's something that I don't want to talk about or I'm really struggling with like I really kind of when I pull a card from my tarot deck I think that the card that I received that there's a purpose behind it And I try not to skip or avoid that card because it's a lesson that 
I clearly need to hear or that I haven't really quite processed or absorbed yet. And I feel like that card is trying to tell me something that I need to hear. So I don't really, I'm not in the habit of skipping (laughs) a card once I get it. But because I had just very recently recorded a podcast episode and immediately after wrote a newsletter around the world tarot card, I decided to make an exception for myself and not and and pull a different card to see what I would get. And the card that I pulled was the Ten of Cups, which <laughs> in my reading is actually the minor arcana quival- equivalent of the world card. So same message, I guess. I'm the deck is trying to tell me, but through a different lens, maybe. And I've really kind of grappled with this card for a few weeks. I mean, aside from being really distracted <laughs> from everything in my life because of this Baldur's Gate video game, um, this is a really challenging card to kind of talk about and to interpret. So I've really, I've really kind of. Um, struggled with it a little bit. So I'll talk about the the description of the the cards as I usually do. We'll start with the wild unknown. And this card, it's you see five cups along the top and then five along the bottom. And the cups at the top each pour streams of colored light into each cup at the bottom of the card. One cup spilling red, one orange, one yellow, one green, and one blue. And then each cup along the bottom receives a stream from each cup along the top. And it forms this rainbow of light and color as the streams split and interweave. So this card gives us this feeling of wholeness, of interconnection. And like the streams form a web of rainbow light that cannot exist without the presence of each cup. And I've talked about this before, but as a reminder, the cups of the minor minor arcana are very like uh, linked and associated with emotions. It's the suit of the emotional realm. So for the Rider Waite card, we see 10 cups lit by a rainbow across the top of the card in a clear blue sky. Beneath, we see a family posed in a tableau of joy, the parents gesturing to the rainbow above as if to say, look at all the bounty bestowed upon us, while their two children dance and play. The background of the card is a peaceful scene, a green field with a stream of water snaking through, a cozy house tucked amongst the hills and trees in the distance. And this card... I kind of struggled with it because it seems very posed, almost like a a staged card. And I don't know if this will make sense. If you look at the image of the card, I get like an Instagram vibe in the sense of it seems like it's not representative of a full picture. And even if it is authentic, if you think about like what people post on Instagram, it's not necessarily staged or faked, although a lot of it is. <laughs> but also sometimes you're just getting, as people say, the highlight reel of someone's, you know, personal life. 
And just because they post photos of fabulous dinners they're going to and parties they're going to and all of their, you know, friends that they're happy to just celebrate and and enjoy life with, just because you see that on somebody's Instagram doesn't mean that you're getting the full story. And I feel that similarly to this card where we're just seeing this like moment of joy and celebration in this little family's life, but there's so much more to it. And I think that is represented by the 10 cups in the sky with the rainbow. And so at first glance, I think that this card can be read as being one of like joy and celebration and being happy and feeling good. And I think that is part of it. But I think it also is about being in harmony with your feelings. And in order to do that, you need to be able to embrace the full spectrum of human emotions. And life is not just about feeling good all of the time. Sometimes the things that are better for us in the long run feel hard or nearly impossible in the moment, and the reward only comes later after prolonged diligence. Accepting the difficulty, the struggle, as part of the experience that makes the results sweeter can help us persevere. And I've talked about this like cardio journey (laughs) that I've been on this year Um, As one of my 2023 intentions was to just be more active day to day. And that's something I feel I have been pretty successful with. I will say that I was very diligent with it in the summer and in early fall. And as the days get colder and darker, it was a little bit more difficult. I have definitely fallen off a little bit over the course of November specifically. But being back at my family's place in Kelowna right now, which is where I'm recording this from, um, because they have a treadmill, I have very easy access to something that helps me be active every single day. And I hate to talk about (laughs) this as though, like, I invented (laughs) physical activity, but I... I guess I just talk about it because it's a novel concept to me. I've never really been somebody who is like takes her physical activity seriously. I'm a pretty sedentary person and I have been for a while, but it got really bad over the course of the pandemic. And I'm only now kind of starting to recover from that. So Forgive me if this isn't news to you, the listener, but to me, it's very, it's very new, just this concept of like being active every day and all of these little discoveries that I'm making about myself through this process of becoming a more active person. One of them being that, you know, wow, I am actually capable of persevering even though I don't fucking feel like it like for example today I really just didn't want to do my even my bare minimum of 30 minutes of power walking on the treadmill and I started out just dragging my feet metaphorically and really hating it and then I got to my 30 minute mark 
And normally by the time I get to 30 minutes, I am feeling pretty good and it's it's easy to kind of persevere and go for, you know, a full hour. And today I just still really wasn't feeling it for whatever reason. And I thought to myself, okay, like, do I actually want to stop because my body is tired or is it just my brain? Like, am I just wanting to self-sabotage by cutting this short and going and laying on the couch and scrolling on my phone for an extra 30 minutes instead of walking. Like, that's absolutely what's going on. And because it wasn't like a physical thing that I needed to overcome, I knew it was just psychological. I had to tell myself like, okay, Sarah, you are capable of doing this for an extra 30 minutes, even though you don't really want to. So we're just going to go ahead and do it. And that's that. And then once you're done it, you'll be happy that you did and you'll know that you are capable of being diligent and overcoming your own like reluctance for whatever reason to to just be on the treadmill for 50, 60 minutes today. And being active is just like one example of an area of life where, you know, the the discomfort ends up being worth it in the long run. It can also apply to just doing chores around your house. I hate cleaning. (laughs) I really just, like, it's so uninteresting to me. I wish I was somebody who, like, felt that cleaning was their way of relaxing, but I'm just not. So (laughs) I can sometimes, like, actively avoid doing things around my house, like mm, cleaning the bathroom floors or scrubbing out the refrigerator or, you know, things that just like in the moment are just so tedious and they feel so difficult. But then once you're done and you have this like lovely, peaceful, clean space to exist in, it you realize like, oh, it was just so worth it to just put in that, you know, modicum of discomfort and and time spent to just have a like gorgeous, clean apartment to relax in. I think this also, you know, these are like examples in the physical realm of difficulty and discomfort and diligence, whatever D words <laughs> you can think of, like all of those things on a, in the physical realm are, are very worth it, but emotional too. Like again, like the cups rep- represent emotions. So I think we try to avoid emotions that make us feel discomfort like grief or you know shame or loss like all of me all these all of these feelings that are that have these like negative connotations we can tend to try to avoid or run away from through whatever like coping mechanisms we have distracting ourselves with video games social media whatever um you know, drinking, smoking weed, whatever little vices we've developed to kind of cope with with feelings that we don't want to feel. But I think those more challenging, difficult emotions serve their own purpose too. Like grief, I've talked about before, you know, is often a sign of having loved someone really deeply when you lose them and you grieve that loss. It's hard to see it when you're in the midst of drowning in that in that feeling of grief, but 
when the waves start to space out a little bit more and you can get your head above water, so to speak, and tread, you are able to almost appreciate that you had somebody in your life that you loved that much that the loss of them causes so much pain. I've been thinking a lot about my journey with learning how to process and communicate when I'm angry. And that's an emotion that often really scared me. And I have my own (laughs) background with that, my own reasons. And I think it's something that I started to process when I learned more about my zodiac placements and, you know, having a lot of like strong Aries placements really explained a lot of my reactive anger issues. And, you know, I was still off. Obviously, I still react sometimes from that place of anger, but I think sometimes I also misinterpret anger as passion and kind of been on this journey of learning the difference between the two. And now that I'm kind of recognizing the difference, when I do get angry, rather than being scared of that feeling or feeling shame around that feeling, almost I appreciate it a little bit more because it's often like a signal or a red flag to me that somebody has crossed my boundaries Um, because I've done this work or I am doing this work of recognizing when I am legitimately (laughs) upset about something or like when something else is going on. Same thing with shame. Like shame is an incredibly stigmatized emotion that I think does so much damage to people and makes them behave in ways that can be just truly heartbreaking and horrific. But I think also shame can serve its own purpose. It prevents people from being total monsters to each other at times. Um, And, you know, there are some people in this world that could use a hell of a lot more shame if you ask me. So it doesn't necessarily have to be this like negative emotion all of the time. And regardless of whether or not we have any control over these feelings, you know, they're just, they're part of the experience of life. And it makes life a whole thing to be cherished. You can't just like pick and choose what you experience and what you don't, what you have control over and what you don't. Because you always have control over yourself, your own, how you react to things. How you react to those emotions is in your control. And you miss out on so much when you dedicate yourself only to superficial pleasure and distraction to feeling good all the time. It loses its meaning. I think when we pick and choose what we allow ourselves to feel and block out the bad and only allow the good, we miss out on the totality of the human experience. Our refusal to feel grief or shame or loneliness isolates us from connecting with people in our lives on more profound levels. It hinders us from understanding and empathizing when we witness others go through that loss or grief that we're, uh, we ourselves are avoiding having to feel. I think a lot about during the course of 
the pandemic in the early days when a lot of people were experiencing the loss of a parent, um, people who were older and immunocompromised. And it just really, I find it, found it really, I find it really heartbreaking. Um, And I think I have a deeper sense of understanding and, and empathy there, having lost my own father. And I think that's something that it's very much like a silver lining kind of thing where obviously I wish that I didn't have to experience that. But ultimately, everyone will. Everyone will lose a parent, both parents. And one thing that you can take out of that horrible experience is it deepens your empathy when you witness other people go through that as well because you've experienced what they're feeling and it kind of helps you to better understand the mindset that somebody might be in and what they might need from you and how you can support them and just helps you to be a more sympathetic and supportive person in their life. I think something else, like on the flip side of that, when you have experienced a lot of grief in your life, you might try to minimize joy so that you don't feel the loss of it so keenly when you are faced with pain again in the future. But that only robs you of the here and now. And the illusion of control will not prevent change or disruption or grief in your life because they're just natural parts of life that will happen whether you sacrifice your happiness to prevent them or not. I was reading, uh, I don't know, I was probably on Twitter or Tumblr or something, but it was talking about don't borrow grief from the future. And I interpret that as isolating yourself from other people or isolating yourself from having emotional experiences or being vulnerable with people in order to avoid grief and being hurt but that is just inevitable it's just a part of life having those experiences so it's going to happen whether you want it to or not and so you might as well enjoy life in the meantime in the here and now sure you can worry yourself to death that the bad times are going to come back, that you're going to experience loss and hurt feelings again. But maybe not today, and maybe not tomorrow, and maybe not for a few weeks or months or years from now. And if it is years, in the meantime, you will have wasted all these opportunities to feel happiness and joy and to celebrate the people in your life while you still have them, while you're still able to. So don't borrow grief from later in life because that's going to come regardless and you might as well enjoy yourself in the meantime. I think when we embrace the totality of human emotions and the experience of life, it also allows us to appreciate simpler pleasures and we no longer have to chase higher and higher highs 
in order to feel happiness or joy. It doesn't have to be like something over the top and glamorous and expensive and, you know, exclusive. You can find joy in the sun coming out for the first time in two weeks and just being able to stand in its warmth and light for 10 minutes even. Like something as simple as that can bring you joy in your day. I think focusing only on grander and grander means of happiness and pleasure obscures these simple delights. You have to chase larger highs when you only want to feel good all the time, and that endless pursuit is a cycle of misery. I mean, if you look at some wealthy people in the media, like Elon Musk comes to mind, and how fucking miserable he seems, he has access to more privilege, money, and power the 99% of the world. And he spends his time shitposting online and generally being a fucking loser. <laughs> I think when you allow yourself to embrace the hard times and work your way through them, you come out on the other side just being so much more appreciative of when things get good again, even in the slightest it's like I was saying, like when you're in the midst of winter and haven't seen the sun for two, three weeks and it's been miserably cold and you feel like you're turning into a ghost because you haven't left your apartment or seen anybody, been perceived by the outside world. There's something that feels so lovely about a bright sunny day coming along and you go out for a walk. And maybe pick up some fresh produce at the market, some fancy cheese, some really good crusty bread. <laughs> it doesn't have to be food related, but that's what's on my mind right now because I have not had lunch. But <laughs> Or just like going for a coffee with a friend that you really love. Like, I don't know, you just find once you kind of learn to accept that there's <laughs> grief and misery in life that you will experience that you have experienced and will experience again it really kind of helps you hold on to those times when things are good it's like that kurt vonnegut quote i urge you to please notice when you are happy and exclaim or murmur or think at some point if this isn't nice i don't know what is i think about that a lot Basically, any time I'm having a really nice day, I think about that Kurt Vonnegut quote and think, God, this is really nice. <laughs> so that is the Ten of Cups. <sighs> I feel like my thoughts on this were a little bit all over the map, but hopefully you followed along. Thanks for being here. <laughs> this is the 15th episode that I've recorded. I'm hoping to get more... I'm not going to say I'm hoping. I am going to get more on track, <laughs> back on track with publishing episodes and the newsletter as well. I know that I've fallen off with that as well. I've been trying not to feel guilty about it, but I'm also embracing <laughs> just letting myself feel the way that I want to feel and letting the guilt motivate me to getting back to what's really important to me, which is my writing, and 
also just like letting myself have a good time hanging out. Uh, Because this 2023 and being unemployed was kind of fucking fantastic for me and my mental health. I've really never been more content. And I'm starting to come to the end of my (laughs) EI that I've been living off of. I have like four more months, I think. So I'm going to have to figure out a job or a source of income that will allow me to live. So I don't know how much longer I'm going to have to just play video games all day. Anyway, (laughs) Uh, thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in getting newsletters on different pod or uh, different tarot cards and you haven't signed up, you can do that at sarahblack.substack.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at, at sarzapan, which is like marzapan, but with an S, and same name on Twitter, same name on Letterboxd. I'm starting to write reviews on there. They're not like... <laughs> academic by any means (laughs) but if you're curious to know what movies I'm watching and what I think about them you can follow me on there and damn I'm still not on TikTok I think I might be over TikTok I don't know I deleted it in the spring and I haven't gone back so I just don't feel like I need it I don't really feel like I need any social media at this point I'm gonna talk to you again really soon. I hope you have a beautiful New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. Set some really lovely intentions for yourself. And if you want to share them with me, just like DM me on Instagram. I love hearing about shit like that. I don't know. (laughs) Okay, that's it for me. (sighs) Happy New Year. (laughs) Okay, bye! (laughs) 